And and, um, it's much more important to understand that it's not just that you win, it's how you win that matters. Welcome back to the Voice of Santa Clara podcast. We are very excited to bring back the much-awaited kickback series with kickback number two. Kickback number one was a huge success, so thank you to everyone who checked it out. Definitely one of our most hyped-up podcasts. We really appreciate you guys listening in. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the overarching influence and impact of social media, so very excited to touch on that. And of course, my name is Darius Johnson, and I am the operating host of the podcast. And my name is Malachi Finn, and I am the host and editor for the podcast. And my name is Antonio Magallanes. I am the marketing host uh, for this podcast, and I'm really excited to get started. All right, let's do it. So to kick it off, I kind of want to just say how me growing up, I actually wasn't allowed to have uh, social media like Instagram or Twitter. My parents told me that I couldn't have it. And initially I was like, oh, man, you know, like I wanted it. But as time went on, I wasn't I wasn't tripping about it. So what I why I want to bring this up is because while I didn't have it, I did see the impact that it had on my friends and people that were around me within the middle school and high school. So, for example, like, you know, I saw people getting likes or not getting likes and how it impacted their reality and how they viewed themselves compared to their peers and like why that that social construct is so important really to developing self-confidence. And as I look back and try to understand why, even though I wasn't allowed to have Instagram or Twitter, why I was okay with it. Honestly, because I wasn't really confident in myself and I wasn't willing to put myself on a platform where I could receive backlash. So I think one of those things that really is important to understand is that when you're availing yourself to social media platforms where there are thousands or honestly millions of people who can comment on your looks or comment on the way you're dressed and roast you, it's just like you have to be you have to be prepared for that. And I think oftentimes when we have access to so many different perspectives, I don't think I honestly don't think we're developed to be gaining all of these news channels or or seeing all of this information at once. I don't think our brain is designed for that. And I think that's where a lot of this anxiety or or social uh, paranoia comes from, like these mental health issues. So I'm just kind of curious, like, how did y'all cope with social media? How was your interaction with it? And do you think it either benefited you or was a detriment to your upbringing? Like, how do you think it played a role in your lives in any way? Well, before that, um, I was actually going to ask you, Malachi. Um, looking back as someone you said who wasn't really in touch with social media back in the day and you kind of saw these effects on your peers, right? Like, do you wish like you did start a little earlier, right? Cause you, you mentioned like you, you have to have like some type of like tough skin mm-hmm. to be in social media, right? And like maybe starting behind, you know, gave you a leverage or maybe it didn't, you know? Right. So, you know, how, how does that, how, how do you look back on that? That's a good question. So like I always was someone who used to watch I was on social media like YouTube. That was my thing. I was always on YouTube and it's it's not the same, but I feel like I was always aware of the trends that were going on. So for example, one of the biggest social media platforms that really what TikTok copied is Vine. Remember when Vine was popping in middle school? Like in I used to watch Vine compilations on YouTube because I didn't have a Vine account. So I was getting everything, you know, that people were seeing, but I just didn't have a physical account. So to answer your question, would it have changed my reality if I had an account myself? I think so. I think I probably would have been more pretentious, possibly like worrying about, oh, if I post this picture, will I get likes? Because I mean, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that now with this podcast, like we post stuff and we're seeing our people listening to it. Like you're just much more conscious or, or paying attention to how people will receive what you're putting out there. And I think 
I probably would have been a little bit more worried about how I, I came off to others. Whereas without it, I was like, I had this understanding of when I'm in person with these people and where I'm making them like, I don't know. I just feel like I had an idea of who I was and it possibly could have changed if there were other people impacting or influencing my perception of myself through social media. So I think, yeah, I think that's pretty much what it changed or, or impacted. Yeah. Awesome, man. I think that was a great response. Um, I mean, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about like, you know, social media often plays, you know, an important role in much of modern society um, from building social capital um, to self-presentation and impression management to con maintaining connections with friends. You know, um, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, having social media at that young age and, you know, really been kind of in the whole little loop. I honestly first remember social media back in like sixth grade when Instagram came out. Um, and I was jealous because my older brother had one, my older sister did, and so I decided to make one, but I had no idea what I was doing. And what I noticed was that a lot of peers around me also had it, so, you know, that fear of FOMO, um, didn't want to miss out. And the thing I do want to talk about is that the emotional reality that comes along with having a social media at such a young age and in this modern society, because what I remember in my young age was that I was doing asking for you know to be honest is right so tbh's <laughs> and that was like a thing in social media where you know you you ask someone about their opinion of you literally right um and that was like the most common thing you'll see around social media right and i remember just seeing other people's you know opinions of, about somebody else and you know kind of thinking oh why isn't this person's opinion about them the same as me right it might mm -hmm. be better it might be worse but yeah i remember that like kind of like that obligation to you know fulfill your identity you know what i mean right. and kind of have a common space that is supposed to be comforting mm -hmm. right but in reality is seems kind of like a race um you know what that's a great point because like without social media at least i would assume because we've never lived in a world without social media we were born in what 2001 i think all of us right so yeah. so when i'm so i bring this up to say like before then your crew were the people in your neighborhood in your city so you were getting the lifestyle that the typical teen in your city was getting as well. But on social media, you see, oh, down in what, I guess, I don't know, Houston, Texas, they're living like this. So it influences the way that you're living because we're all connected through the internet, through mm. the World Wide Web with these pages and how like it, it allows us to see. So what I'm saying is that like before then, you weren't so worried about your grand a perception of like of yourself from other people because you only had those in your neighborhood who you can reflect upon with but now that it's such a an increased database of users it kind of changes that and that's how like we get influenced by these artists or get influenced by the media um which plays a, a large role in different things that we'll touch on later on but i think that's a great point that you bring up is that when you were doing these to be honest <laughs> these these ratings or whatever you may call it it kind of influenced your perception of yourself based off of what other people were saying. And it heightened because there are now more people saying it because they're not just at your school. Right. They're everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Because think about it. When, you know, this whole social media thing started, the whole the catalyst was Facebook. And the only focus was get as many people as possible to come to one place and share ideas and, you know, share posts and, and like certain things and see what can, and see, like, just see what can happen. Um, and obviously the rest is history. Um, and personally, my experience with social media growing up is kind of, I would say, a happy, like, hybrid or medium between well, Malachi and, and, and Tito. Essentially, for me, I, I had it growing up. So growing up, you know, I had you know, all the platforms when it came out, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, 
um, Facebook, but I was never really active on them. Mm-hmm. So I never really posted anything. I, you know, I never really, you know, took that much time and attention into those platforms because I was really focused on things that were a little more personal. Think of like sports and kind of hang out with friends and those kind of interactions. And I never, you know, stopped to, you know, take that photo and post it or, you know, or, or like look on the platform and like certain things. Um, I just never really got into it. Because growing up, at least in my family, in my household, like no one really had it around me. So I didn't have like this, you know, big brother influence that, oh, he's social media, so I should get on it, right? Um, so I never, it was on the platform. But it wasn't until, you know, a little bit later, like later in, in um, high school, when I um, had a chance to work for someone, actually work as a social media intern and like, um, you know, use like kind of help him advertise on the platforms where I got a lot more like immersed in this like culture of social media. Um, and learn a lot more about LinkedIn, which I think started popping off in what, like 2008, 10, and then just like started taking off. And that's a whole different type of social media platform, right? Because when you think about LinkedIn, I mean, there's no memes, no funny videos, like it's just a whole <laughs> different type of social media platform, right? So it just brings in a whole different audience. Um, and that's when I started learning a lot about that platform. And, and I got a lot more active on, on, on Instagram and, and things of that nature because it was like my job when I was in high school. So it became really, really more interesting to me. You know, ask me how I got the job. I had no experience in social media at all. He just needed help and I was the only person he knew. Um, but, you know, just doing that, I learned a lot more about it. And then essentially, I eventually started my own advertising agency. That's how I learned a lot more about, about social media. And then shifting now, some folks may know this who listen, but LinkedIn is a platform of choice for sure that I use. I knew the platforms. I was relatively involved on them, but never really got really in the mix and kind of um, lost in social media, you know, um, so it's kind of thankful, a blessing and a curse, you know, maybe I miss out on some things that are happening, um, cause I was doing more things in person, but I don't think, you know, I ever, um, had those issues with social media that a lot of other people had. And then, you know, beyond that too, social media in itself, you know, and we're about to go into this next, but social media itself is, you know, a lot more than just what you and your friends do. I think, you know, Tita mentioned it about the influence of social media. Right. And how this platform isn't just a place for you to come share ideas and post people, but the influence. And um, Malachi, you can go ahead. And I know you wanted to jump into a topic that, you know, is very close to us at Santa Clara, which is really focused on the influence and impact that, you know, this platform can have or these platforms can have. Right. So I definitely want to highlight the urgency of us as a, a generation understanding the impact or the detrimental like effects that pill usage or drug abuse can have when using these uh, pills such as fentanyl, Percocets, and Oxycontin, like all these things that are really represented in the music we listen to currently, but just in the media and, and how like we turn to medication to solve our problems, which may be occurring from mental health and social media. So I want to talk about this, just like how has social media really depicted to you drug abuse or or using medication and that sort of like alcohol abuse or anything that may be detrimental to your health? How have you seen that? And what steps do, have you taken to try to abstain from using pills or, or other medications? And, and why is that something you think we should talk about or discuss and like raise awareness about? Yeah, so look, man, social media is a place where everything's happening, right? And I think you mentioned it earlier where you can literally be in Detroit, Michigan and know what's happening in L.A., right? Just because you have that type of um ability with the internet to connect with people that are far away from you. So essentially, you think about kind of drug usage and more so about mental health. I think a big issue that comes around with social media is at a younger age, you're seeing people doing things 
um, that may seem as if this is what you need to do in order to be in a certain category. Um, and then when you grow up, you know, with these type of imagery and, and, and seeing these certain things, you can get influenced and kind of maybe think that you should be doing this in order to fit in with, with a certain crowd, right? Or maybe if you do this, you know, you'll stand out more at your school. And from a mental health standpoint, that can hurt you because a lot of people can sometimes get into states of depression or, you know, states of, you know, just feeling alone due to social media. And then they can result to things that make them feel better, which sometimes are, are, are drugs in this case, right? So it can really go both two ways. Like you're seeing other folks doing it on the platform and you think it's something that's cool to do. So you try it out, even though you may know in your head and even taught that it's not okay to do it, but essentially you do it anyway. Um, Cause it's what you're seeing other people doing. Um, and not that that's a problem. I mean, I think that's just how human nature works, right? I mean, you see someone doing something that I think that maybe you hold to a certain level or a certain title and therefore you do it as well. Right? So it's that influence. It, it's that role model effect. And then on the flip side, you can be someone who due to social media has a lot of problems and issues that arise within yourself, right? So then you begin to think about, okay, what can I do to remove this pain? You know, from seeing folks that I used to hang out with, now they hang out like without me, right? Or like like some other problems could be, you know, that maybe like you posted a picture that didn't, that didn't get enough likes. So like, you don't, you don't feel as if, you know, people think that you're a value, you know, like things like that, right? And that can kind of push you to doing those things. So that to me is kind of how I see this drug, drugs playing a, a, a big role and steps to take. I think it's important um, for people to be positive role models on the platform. Um, because a lot of people are looking to you, you know, whether you have hundreds of followers, thousands, whatever it, it may be, just imagine that someone's always watching you and looking to you as a role model, right? So depending on what you do in the platform, it can be affecting someone else um, for a good or for worse. So I just think it's better to have more awareness about what you're doing on the platform and try and, you know, push out content that's more beneficial than it is harmful. So that, that net benefit, uh, I think, is a good first step. But again, a lot of this is harder or easier said than done, but I would say that mental health is a real issue and things that I'm sure everyone on this podcast knows about, but stuff like that could help, you know, kind of ease a lot of the pain that's happening. Right. And and not only just is it coming from social media, it's in our music, it's in our entertainment, like what we're listening to on a daily basis. Like, so, you know, artists, you know, that have recently passed um, from drug abuse, like Lil Peep, Juice World, Mac Miller, like just to name a few that that died from overdoses or just using these Percocets and pills. And, and like re before Juice World passed, he had a, a collab album with Future called World on Drugs. Like, so all of these artists are naming the, the drugs that they're using or selling or, or like the media is really just illustrating that this is something that you can access and, and possibly ease your pain. So it's just like un having an understanding of what you really need to do to make whatever problems you have, I would say, not to suppress it, but to solve them in a, in a manner that is not reliant on medication. And I think surrounding yourself around people who allow you to understand mental wellness and different ways that you can cope with the pain that you may be experiencing is definitely important. So whether that be whether that be having friend groups uh, that are close to you and discussing things or or whether that be taking different hobbies on, I think I've always had an idea of why I don't want to use drugs or any sense because I because of that fear of, you know, what if you get addicted or what if you can because sometimes it can be fatal. So it's just having that understanding of how these different things we're seeing on social media or the media in general can really affect your life negatively, possibly. So I think that's something to definitely keep in mind. 
Yeah, um, and kind of support what you guys have been saying so far. Um, there's only two industries that consider their members users, mm. right? The drug industry and social media platforms. Wow. Um, yeah, and you guys, if you guys haven't heard it, anybody listening, the social dilemma kind of goes in a little bit deeper about that. Um, I know we all watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of like on that and the impact of social media, actually, um, I know there's a study of someone who pretty much was reluctant to look at their Facebook for 99 days. Um, and within that, she wrote about her experiences. Um, and what I found really interesting about it was that she was suffering withdrawals, right? Withdrawals, like actual withdrawals of, you know, missing photos of, you know, being reluctant of not being with somebody, right? You know, seeing things going on and you not be there. Um, so I thought that was really interesting to the correlation of how social media is related with, you know, drugs. Um, and what she also mentioned was that like in that span of like, you know, how this large amount of FOMO, um, and this lot, like missing out on like a, you know, new trend or something like that, um, is, you know, related to, you know, finding freedom within yourself, right. Trying to find that escape, um, stay out of that loop. Right. That really resonated with, I mean, I think what we've been talking about, because as you guys mentioned, they mentioned drugs to be, you know, an escape, you know, uh, of finding freedom. Right. Um, And so when you kind of like compare those two, you know, you see there's not there's not that much of a difference, you know, Um, because the whole point of social media um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later is, you know, for you to come back. Right, you know, algorithms, the way everything's set up, um, it's pretty much structured so you come back and continue to click on their platform. Right. right? Um, and with that, there's a psychological barrier of what's going on in real life and what's going on in your screen. That's true. So, yeah, I know we have we want to talk a little bit more about that, but I think that was really interesting in making that correlation with social media and drugs. Well, but I'm curious, you know, before we move on to the next topic, like what was your experience like both of you with drugs? Like I'm not saying, you know, ever using them, but and specifically pills, have you ever been offered that or have you seen that at our campus? And, you know, definitely not snitching on anybody, but just like, have you seen that at all and, and during your time at SCU or beforehand? Like, had you did you have access to, to medications that were not prescribed by a doctor? Absolutely. I think, you know, that might go for all three of us and maybe every person that goes to the college campus, but depending on the high school you went to, it could also be the, the high school that you went to. Um, and, you know, you brought up a lot of great points, especially the parallel between drugs and social media and just the language that is used, right? I mean, just that rhetoric and how closely tied it is, is, is insane. Um, but to your question, I think, yes, it started as early for me as, as soon as I got to, to high school. Um, and then just beyond that, and I think to give more context, happens a lot to athletes in high school, um, especially I'll touch on football because in a game that's that, um, you know, when you have, when you're clashing with other people and you essentially the game is all about pain <laughs> pretty much. Um, but when you have so much pain going through, you know, like men that are playing each other back and forth, there becomes a need to kind of make sure that you don't get hurt, make sure that you don't get injured. Or make sure that you know when you're playing that you know, like you don't sit out because that college might come to this game and want to see you play, right? 
So in a locker room, there was a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of people passing around certain pills or drugs that said, hey, like, this will help, help that pain go away, right? Or let's say, like, Michigan's coming to see our game. Like, you have to make sure, like, you're at the top of your game. Take this, right? So I think stuff like that um, happened a lot in high school. Um, just just do sports and players, you know, pass around stuff. And then, obviously, more so, of course, in high school when you have the party scene, again, depending on which high school that you went to, um, Again, it's, it's, it's really the, the, the same thing, but I'll let you guys like go on that kind of road. But for me, definitely in the athletic space and, and really like taking things to kind of make actual physical pain go away and make sure that you're at the top of your game when you're playing against other people and trying to you know go to the next level. And I saw that a lot in the locker room as well. Well, Darius, what made you stay away from that? Like, why did you decide internally or intrinsically to say, oh, I'm not going to take those pills to, to boost my performance or to ease any pain? Like, what made you abstain away from that? The foundation I had growing up, uh, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Like, how stable is the education that you're getting from other people? And mine was very stable. And of course, there were times that, you know, I was offering things from players. I was like, man, like, that would be fantastic, this game, to, you know, get hit by a, a B lineman and then get right back up and not feel any pain for the next two hours. <laughs> but what effect is that going to have on me, right, for the next two days, two weeks, two years, right, if I keep doing this? And that long-term thinking is a blessing that I think I've been able to have um, that was helping me kind of stay away from that stuff. And also, as we know from the last kickback, I got knocked out this game pretty early, right? So after my sophomore year. So I only had a solid year of exposure at the varsity level to this type of activity, right? So I was able to kind of, you know, have that year of just being cool and like also using that same notion of like, hey, I'm trying to protect my brain. I need it. I got to re- uh, remember the plays that you guys all forget until you guys what you're doing on the field, right? So use things like that, saying like, no, nah, like I'm good. I stay away from it. And the last piece I'll say is that I was really far away from the trenches. Like, you know, there's guys, <laughs> the big old linemen and D linemen that are getting hit every play. Like I, I'm not getting hit every play back there, you know, back so like I didn't, leave the game with a lot of pain. There were games, of course, I got, you know, hit everything like that, but I wasn't in the trenches of it. And that's where you really saw it. So that's pretty much how I was able to stay away from that. Right. What about you, Tito? Like, what made you stay away from pill usage or other hard, potentially hard drugs, even though you may have seen it on social media or the music? Or, like, what made you stay on the right path, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, kind of like Darius, it comes from, like, your, you know, your roots, your forthcomings. Um but what I found really interesting was that, you know, I didn't really get seen that many drugs like that. You know, I always kind of was like a goody two-shoes person. <laughs> but, you know, in that in that fact, when, you know, the whole trend of like SERP, you know. Mm, um, right. Lean, yeah. Things like you know, lean, you know. Um, and that when that was all becoming very popularized, you know, that's when I saw a big rise in my high school of like you said, things going around, you know, pills, you know, whatever it is. Um and I was actually really, really, you know, surprised to see, you know, how like that just kind of turned everything on, right? Because that auto send, that was a cool thing to do, you know. Right. Um, if you want to be popular, if you want to get in with the girls, like you gotta be like somewhere aware of, you know, these drugs. Um, <laughs> but which is sad, right? Isn't that horrible? Which is, it's That's horrible. Crazy. It's horrible. But I mean, a lot of people, you know, do not know what you know the importance of, you know, taking care of your body. Um, and that was my biggest thing. Um, and so, like, why I never did it. But, you know, you can also use um, 
what you're seeing as like you know information to not do it right so you see mm-hmm. I, I know one thing that really struck me you know through social media um and just like you know content creation was that i saw like a video of my favorite rapper you know really like um intoxicated with drugs mm-hmm. and to be specific it was a video of Lil Uzi Vert. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like half asleep talking it making no sense right um and just like seeing someone you a uh, role model is someone you, you kind of like looked up to um kind of just be out they're gone right they're not even here with you right um told me something about their identity but also it was a little revealing to you know what the drug does to you um and you know where it can lead um so i kind of use that um as leverage to not do it but i just thought it was really interesting to point out that you know in the time where all this was popularized is when i really saw kids my age you know um fantasize and participate in those actions um, well, that's a that's a great point that you made because like I also saw that with famous Dex, you know, like remember mm. when he was popping in 2017, 2016, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, like I think I mean we don't want to talk bad about anybody, but I believe he's in rehab now. It's just like the 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 lean he was sipping, or like, or there's a lot of artists that have you know died from that, and just right. like you said, you can really see the impact that it's having on their person right um and how they're interacting with people or their art like their music is declining it's just you can see it so i think that's another thing about social media that honestly is pretty good like not good thing <laughs> good in the sense that you can see an example of what not to do and how it's impacting others so that you can make the right decisions i think right. social media is good for that as well it may have all of these negative implications but in some ways it allows you to see the good things and, and also see the new trends that may benefit you personally such as investment and we see that with Reddit and Robinhood and things of that sort. So Darius, can you touch a little bit about that and, and how that impacts our lives, seeing social media and something that's such as financial literacy? I know, it's crazy. I mean, social media is knocking on the door to Wall Street. Like, you know this thing is crazy. Uh, <laughs> right. That's essentially what right. we've seen, what we've seen with uh, GameStop. Because I mean, for those who know anything about Wall Street, I mean, those doors are, are rock solid, like concrete, whatever you want to talk about it. When people can come in and break through through platforms like social media it's a national threat i mean those people in the government were going crazy they were, they were losing their minds um like how are we letting these kids on reddit take over things that we built things that we control um and you know it's crazy for a lot of them to kind of take this in and you know they've been trying to use certain rhetoric to kind of say oh like it's okay and this is a one-time thing da, da, da. but i think we saw a rise of the retail investor and for those who don't know what that means think of it as folks like you and me who don't have a certain level of net worth um, to be investing like a, a ton of capital. So folks who have like smaller um, amounts of money and like not high net worth, essentially like they are seeing the rise of that investor. When they come together as a group of people, such as what happened with Reddit, which of course is a social media forum platform, uh, when they come together through Wall Street Bets and are able to say, hey, like we believe in this company. We, we, we like this company. We don't want to see it die. They realized Literally, the stock market is about buying and selling. The more you buy, the higher the price goes. The more you sell, the lower the price goes. Of course, there's a lot of like nuances into that, but essentially when the social media world realized that it was really a threat to the whole entire financial system that we have um, in the US, um, I think that's you know very, very scary. So to, to touch more about it, like essentially folks already know like what happened and what you know transpired with that, but a little more clarity on that is usually hedge funds 
which essentially think of it as rich people that have a ton of money that they raise from other rich people or rich foundations or you know pension funds in in endowments. They raise they raise this money and they go put it to work in the market and it's billions of dollars, right? They're usually the guys who can make these big swings in certain stocks. But now the social media world, such as Reddit, now realize their influence and their power and their impact to say, hey, if we come together, as I think it's like 10 million members now, but the time was like three, if we come together as 3 million members plus and put our money together, we're just as much as a threat as the billion dollar hedge fund guy, right? So essentially in a very layman's terms, that's essentially what happened. Um, and when you can see that impact happen on a stock such as GameStop, it begins to make you think, like, what else can happen, right? Like, like what other things can happen in this market, right? And really, what steps, uh, you know, is the Treasury going to take to kind of limit this from ha happening again, right? I mean, we saw what Robinhood had to do, um, <laughs> you know, being influenced by hedge funds that really, you know, have a significant stake in their platform to kind of stop trading, right? And I'm really curious to see in the future what is a governing body going to do to limit the power of this social media forum that was able to rock Wall Street for a week. So I think that's really um, interesting. And I think, you know, we can spend some time hearing more about your guys' thoughts or maybe if you had any personal connection to what happened um, and how you think it's going to change and how social media is going to change this whole entire financial system going forward. Well, yeah, like you stated, social media has a big role in how financial uh, literacy is is really expanding for our generation like for example so what what i really want to take note of is that the fact like it's, it's kind of crazy and kind of scary as well how big uh, if somebody a mogul for example such as elon musk can have by stating tesla is now going to use can can accept bitcoin for purchases or or these moguls that are saying a hey, bitcoin is the way to go and you see how it's skyrocketing um something but it, it's a little bit different because bitcoin is a decentralized uh cryptocurrency so I think like when it comes to things that aren't regulated by the government, such as Bitcoin, um, we're definitely going to see a transition and a change that we've never experienced before. And and it's going to make a lot of people make money. But if you're not educated, you're also going to lose a lot of money. So that's one of the things about social media. Now, if these meme stocks or what they call it become much more, I would say, trivialized or publicized, then there's going to be a lot of people losing a lot of money. Um, and if these hedge funds lose money, they're going to freeze the accounts, as we saw with Robinhood. So I think that's something very interesting to look at. But I'm glad that now more people in our uh, age group, but also more minorities, are getting into investment in personal uh, finance. Like I think that's something we should all be learning more about. So that's one of the things I'm glad about with, with social media. Like Even though it's becoming a meme, like creating an LLC or mm -hmm. equity, like people are memifying it or is, I don't even know if that's a word, but you see what I'm saying? Like, even though that is occurring, at least people are starting to be more engaged with personal finance. And that's what I'm glad to see. Yeah. I'm going to touch on something real quick. I think you touched on the point of, um, you know, people like Elon Musk who are in seats of power can really, you know, rock the markets with a tweet. Right. Um, and in the terms of, Bitcoin, a lot of people are believers, but also some people are not believers. Like I was just on a call with um, a guy who runs the investment office for a really big mutual fund, um, and he was really against Bitcoin. Advised a lot of students against it and said, hey, don't invest in it, right? And, you know, this is not going to be of any value. Um, so you have like these aged, tenured, legacy investment guys who are saying, like, hey, like this is nothing, this has no intrinsic value. 
like like even if it goes to 100k 200k it's not going to be of any su substantial value so there's no purpose in investing in it and then you have the flip side of guys more in that tech modern scene like you know like elon musk saying hey like let's invest 1.5 billion dollars into bitcoin so it's really crazy to kind of see those parallels from people who are more legacy like very structured guys and then this new age of the social media led led by elon i guess <laughs> really you know pushing against this idea of bitcoin and the last point you mentioned which maybe we can talk about a bit more is a lot of more people understanding what finance really is and understanding what investing is that's really important to to understand that because that's how wealth is just generated in this country and really in the world is through investing through smart investing through calculated investments so a lot of people learning more about that i think is great but also can bring some problems but i think with the right education can be very very powerful um, so yeah, just curious to hear you, you guys thoughts on that too. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like what's going on with Robinhood um, and everything, I think the cool thing, like what you mentioned, Malachi and Darius, is that like everybody is getting into investing, becoming more financial literate. You know, but my worry is, you know, Robinhood should do is make you know a platform of where they can learn and become that instead of making you know fraudulent decisions, right? Because I know, I think Darius, you told me that a kid, you know, killed himself. Um, because he invested into the stock market and saw that it was really down, right? He thought he had, he was going to be crazy in debt. Um, and part of that is, you know, him not being completely financial literate, right? But a big part also plays, you know, in Robin Hood for, you know, making it an error such as that. And as like, you know, not informing the user, the member um, of, you know, the actuality of the, the platform. Because um, I think... It is a great way for beginners to get acclimated to it, right? But um, because it beca it's so socialized, right? Because it looks like you're on like a Instagram, um, so so many people are on it, right? But with that, people are gonna treat it like Instagram, where they, they are not so cautious about what they're doing and the decisions they're making. And kind of just you know, stretching gears here, I know you guys mentioned that you know social media has taken a lot of forms since you know those back those to be honest is that I did and those little rates back in uh you know 05 04 whatever it was um I'm kind of interested to ask you guys you know where do you think social media is heading in terms of you know this big powerhouse that's controlling the world um and that's you know really accumulating um its members to doing things they want to do um so like you know as college students you see so many of these things happening where you know Donald Trump is getting shushed on Twitter right um privacy is a thing um in terms of like other things like what Darius said with GameStop um so you know as you know people young scholars you know how do you guys interpret what is going on with everything in terms of social media with stocks social media and even politics right I think you no know, politics is definitely something that social media has taken over honestly um, we saw with Cambridge Analytica and how they were able to push specific political views towards these consumers and kind of sway subconsciously their perception of political candidates. So when it comes to all of these different components uh, and how social media has overarching uh, influence or, or like their hands in it, kind of like social media as a construct is really delegating how we interact with each other in a, in a very large way. Um, so I think in the long run, man, I don't, I don't know. I think as more people gain these, these social media presence or, or like have a, a higher following, they're going to be able to control a lot more in the world just with a, a text, like a, like a message or a post. Like as we saw, like I stated before, Elon Musk, who has this ability to make posts and really 
alter or shift the paradigm in which these people are learning about financial literacy. I think we're going to see more of that. We're going to see more of these like becoming, I don't know, like not tyrants, but people who have power and can voice their opinions in a manner that's going to influence the greater community. And what we're going to see is more probably debates online or arguments or um, just conflicts, I think, is what what can possibly arise from this. And we see that with politics now, like with all these different opinions and these videos we can see uh, and this and also this ability to, to connect people we saw with the Capitol riots like they connected through social media. Um, so you can really find any group of people you want to find Nazis, you want to find like <laughs> whatever you can find them on social media and y'all can honestly do whatever. So I think that's now that I, I didn't even think about that beforehand. That's a, a definitely a detriment to social media it can bring people together, but it can bring the wrong people together as well. So I think that may be something we see more of, um, and, and possible, but also like on the flip side of that, we can have people who are coming together on Reddit. Let's say we want to uplift companies that are making sustainable practices we can all come together millions of us and now fund this company that is doing the right thing instead of funding a company that is putting oil and fossil fuels and you know what i mean so it's like we can have more of an impact than we think and i think that's what i that's illustrated for me with this GameStop. uh what is it called debacle is what i what i realized for sure yeah definitely um and you mentioned kind of bringing up companies that you know i guess were going to zero and essentially if enough people believe in them essentially you can just buy up the price right which is crazy because that's essentially not how investing is supposed to work it's supposed to be you know based on data information and, and you know how healthy is the company statements and you know things like that um but it is crazy how the world is changing um and from a political viewpoint um i think social media good or bad um has become the source of, of information that a lot of people leverage when it comes to understanding what's going on. But even looking, like I, like I want to touch on the positive standpoint like real quick. When you look at the whole entire push to vote, right? Um, without the power of social media, millions of people who never thought to vote before would have not voted, right? And that's because of influential people on, on these platforms that were able to kind of push this out. And also people in their, you know, Local towns as well were also able to, you know, send out that message to, hey, go vote, get registered to vote. Um, and that really helped shift the fate of this election that we had. Because obviously we know the past election was also driven by social media, but more in a negative landscape. Utilized advertising and, and, and data to target people who were, you know, on the fence of one candidate and kind of push them one way or the other. Right. Right. So we have two examples of social media being influential for the good and then influential for the bad sometimes right um and it's really that the gray area you have with social media because on one end you have these antitrust policies that are coming in from the government you know that are trying to fight against this whole entire industry that no one really knows what it is because it didn't exist 10 years ago right so how do you have regulation and policy in place for something that that, that didn't even exist so it's very confusing from that standpoint. It's like, how do you regulate this industry, right? When essentially, I remember uh, this data point that um, data became more valuable than oil in 2017. And oil has been the most valuable asset for years. And then now data three years ago or four years ago, this became the most valuable asset. So how do you regulate the most valuable asset in the world when 10 years ago it didn't exist, right? Or this idea that it didn't exist. Um, so it's just really crazy what's happening in the system. And then on the other end, 
social media has helped, I mean, millions, maybe millions, billions of people connect each other across the world, right? It's helped fight for causes. It's helped bring stuff like Black Lives Matter to the forefront, right? It's helped me connect with uh, someone I have that lives in Jamaica or, you know, a different kind of continent and see what they're what they're doing, right? And, and stay very close with them. Um, and at the same time, it's allowed me to share things that I think is interesting with my friends. It has allowed people to make millions of dollars, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Facebook, right? So it's just so difficult, this topic of social media, where where is that area where you come in and regulate something like this, right? And so it's just, it's very difficult because there's this pros and cons to it. And I think, you know, being in a seat of the Senate, um, you know, House or just like Congress as a whole, when you think about this issue, it's very, very difficult thing to think about because there's so many different parallels. It's done so much good, yet it's caused so much harm. Right. So how do you build policy around a thing that hasn't existed, you know, 10 years ago? So I think it's something that we should definitely think a lot more about. Um, and I think it's almost that thing where the pros outweigh the cons. There you go. Cons outweigh the pros. There you go. Of course, it's not that simple, but essentially what I'm trying to say is there's good parts, there's bad parts, and I think it's become a forefront in policy, in politics, and it'll stay there until some type of regulation is able to create this happy medium of keeping this platform that's able to connect to all of us, but also limit the amount of data and um, you know access to privacy that it has. Right. And I think you made a really good point in how the benefits of social media, like that dichotomy of social media, that what we're realizing now. And and also like in that, another industry that is impacted, and we're not going to start a whole nother conversation about this, but I just want to make note of this, is that TikTok, like when they're playing these songs on TikTok, it now counts as parts of streams. They partner with Warner Music Group. So like seeing how these different platforms can really boost artistry and, and allow these artists who may not have been well known at one point to now expand their audience. I think that's another beautiful aspect of social media platforms like they're improving, uh, I guess, the allocation of talent that we wouldn't have been able to see beforehand. So that's something I also wants just to take note of just a real quick thing. But, but like as we start to, you know, close out this podcast episode, we touched we talked about a lot of things. I'm curious, just as like a I guess a concluding question what let's say you had to choose only one social media platform to keep which one would you keep and why and then we'll close out like that you know what i would probably have to go with instagram just because you know i know how to use it the best um and i think over time the one thing i have learned um through Instagram and through social media platform is how to be conscious, be more responsible what you do, you know, in terms of like liking things or posting or, you know, self-identifying. Um, you, I think I've gotten it closely, mostly to perfection on my Instagram um, in terms of what I want to do, right? Um, and I think in terms, I think one of the best things I like about Instagram or at social media platforms at all is just the connection of friends, family, you know, people you've never you've seen from across the you've never seen before, or you know, are across the across the world from you. Um, I think I would have to keep that. And I think that's something I cherish. You know, it was one of I think there you said is out leveraging the the pros with the cons, right? Um, and yes, social media, mm-hmm. Instagram has a lot of cons, um, but then you also take the pros with that, and I think that much more outweighs you know anything that I've you know 
gone against or had issues with on the social media platform. Um, so yeah, Instagram. <laughs> That's dope. What about you, Darius? LinkedIn. <laughs> um, you know, the folks that know me probably most likely will say LinkedIn. I think I think a great option really is. YouTube, I think that's a fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say the same thing too, but I'm gonna let you explain. I kind of knew you were gonna say YouTube, so <laughs> I'll transition to LinkedIn. I think, but I will keep LinkedIn, and for the simple fact that LinkedIn just aligns more with, I think, the benefit of what I like to get out of social media platforms, and it's that connection aspect. And of course, LinkedIn has its own flaws um, in terms of, you know, data access and, and privacy. Like, I'm not saying it's not like all the other ones, but what I am saying is that it provides me a net benefit that I believe is higher than a different platform can provide me from education to connections to the ability to build a strong audience to the chance to kind of showcase my professional abilities through a social platform. I think it's very powerful. I think there's a lot that can be done with LinkedIn. Um, to make it a lot more strong than it is right now. But it's relatively, I mean, it's not young, but it's still in the early stages. Um, I think that's a platform that brings me a uh, return on my investment to use my finance language, essentially, right? Is it bringing me that return that I look for when I put a lot of time into a platform? Um, And of course, other ones are great for more like leisure things, but I think LinkedIn can be used to bring value um, to my career, but also personal life, I think is very, very valuable. So go ahead with your YouTube breakdown. <laughs> you know, you, you definitely set it up perfectly. And I agree. I think not like at first I wasn't thinking of LinkedIn. I mean, I knew you would say that, but when you worded it that way, I think you articulated that well. LinkedIn is definitely a great platform. So the reason why I say YouTube is, um, well, I've been, you know, like, like I stated before, I didn't have regular social medias and I always used YouTube. And I'm in middle school, like I, I used to watch creators such as Pontiac, Made, DDG, uh, and, and a lot of different YouTubers. Um, no, DDG is really big. He's also an artist now. But the reason why I bring him up is because he he dropped out of college. He was actually a valedictorian in high school. He dropped out of college, uh, got became really big on YouTube, made like 300000 in the summer off YouTube, and, and really took it off and created like so many different avenues. And the reason why I bring this up is because it's a lot of people like that who've used this platform to create content. Uh, and really destroy that gatekeeping type of setup that would come from Hollywood or these other industries, whereas some specific creators, such as black creators, may not have been able to create or, or cultivate uh, things that we would like to see. I think YouTube has really destroyed that construct as to, oh, you have to come through this avenue to be successful. You can create your own content uh, and, and post, post it on a platform where a lot of different people can gain access to it. And I think it's a really good platform and I just think that it allows people to make careers off of it and I enjoy it and I think uh, without YouTube I wouldn't have the ability to listen to podcasts that I enjoy or or watch uh, videos from really great creators and content um, culminators that are providing things that you wouldn't see on a typical basis so for me YouTube is is very close to my heart and it really kind of not shaped me but uh, allowed me to see different sides that I wouldn't have seen from mainstream television so definitely YouTube all right well uh, that concludes our episode for today kickback number two uh, and thank you everyone for listening um throughout this podcast this episode and we appreciate that and uh, see you next time